Good morning, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, October 8th, 2023. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater living in Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, October 6th, 2023 are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study is 20,722. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study, the share ID number is 20,723-20723. This morning, A Vision for You presents the why and how of trusting God. The presentation, there's a little bit of background noise there. If we can maybe get that just a little bit more quiet and we will have a nice quiet line. Maybe it's just rustling around or something. Sorry about that. The presentation will focus on step 11 of the program of recovery. It may sound like this introduction to the presentation is speaking of step two, but it is not. Step 11 is a beginning into the world of the spirit and can start on very basic and simple terms right where we are today. Step 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Very simple instructions. Not complicated at all. No long hours of prayer or practice are necessary to step right into this power. The AA program, through abstinence is the one is one that addresses the spiritual code for living. This is also true for OA and the compulsive overeater. To be quite clear, we're not talking about religious organizations or affiliations of any kind to Christianity or other religious doctrine. I mention this up front because it is, it is extremely important for all to know that recovery is possible for anyone that says he or she is a member and implements the 12 steps of OA, enlarging a power greater than ourselves and than oneself of one's own choosing in relationship to recovery. Page 47 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. When therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies too to the other spiritual expressions you may find in the presentation today. Let's single out the word trusting from the title of this presentation. To trust is to believe in the reality, truth, or strength of something. So when it comes to trusting God, then it seems that we would mean believing in the reliability and the trust and the strength of such an entity to help us with the disease of compulsive overeating and for the transformation by working with the steps, the 12 steps of the program through a power greater than us, which, may, which many may call God. Trusting God and working step 11 comes naturally and organically for some. For the rest of us, it's a choice to be made, to trust a thing when our feelings or circumstances would have us believing something different is the true measure of growing trust. Many of us come into these rooms with no trust or belief in God whatsoever. As a matter of fact, we thought that we had done well to do away with such childish things like believing in God or spiritual matters. But we are hit smack dab in the face 
with having to find some sort of power that would pull us out of this mess that we found ourselves in. We could not do it on self-reliance anymore. We utterly failed in that department. To enlarge our conscious, conscious contact with God is what, we're, what our aim is to do at this point. How to do that, when to do that, and what measure do we serve and believe in that? We cannot see God, and so it is hard to trust. Another reason we can struggle to trust God is that we have limited understanding. And that's what step 11 helps us do, is to enlarge in that understanding and relationship. We see so little when it comes to human history to be able to grab on to see if this is tangible or true. We have suffered long and hard with the disease of compulsive overeating. We have often found ourselves begging for help and relief and freedom with a sort of prayer to whatever's out there in the universe. That's the practice of step 11. To no avail, it seems, when we've reached out like this. And this has been when we've been sober, folks. It is hard for us to know how suffering fits in with God's good plan, but with the clearing out of the dark spots and blemishes of our past, atoning for our place of harm with others and self and the world around us, we can see pronouncements in our life that are clearly things that we know that we wouldn't find ourselves doing alone. There's something out there running our particular life as we surrender to it. How exciting it is on that day to yearn for more of this change of peace quiet, and freedom. Step 11 is our step out into the sunlight that grows brighter with each passing day. This is where the most earnest of small beginnings serves to enlarge our relationship and understanding of power. So if you're wrestling with how to improve or how to define to enlarge a relationship with power, the presentation today may very well demonstrate to you and be a great opportunity to fine-tune your experience. Perhaps you'll find out how one has implemented prayer and meditation and now how that has improved their conscious contact as a daily recovery practice. Today, our guest speaker will share personal experience and insight regarding the application of Step 11 in one's daily life, outlining the spiritual practice and the evidence of deepening the belief and trust in a higher power for having utilized the practice of Step 11. Our guest speaker today is a very faithful, devoted fellow of a vision for you for many, many years now. And her program practice being so solid is a wonderful example of the miracle of recovery. And a vision for you is honored to welcome to the line this morning, Penny E. from New Jersey. Good morning, Penny. Well, good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for that beautiful, beautiful introduction. Thank you, thank you for your recovery. Thank you, thank you for your continuing service. Uh, and I love you. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Penny E. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. South Jersey compared to North Jersey. Some people ask me, why do you say South Jersey? Well, it's almost like two different states. South Jersey is Philadelphia and North Jersey is New York. So I am from South Philly. Um, yes, the topic today is the 11th step. And I've broken it down with the title of the why and how of trusting God. It's going to be in three parts. I'm going to qualify for a little bit just so you know I've earned my seed, I've earned my wings, I've earned my stripes in this program. Then I'm going to go into uh, the why of trusting God. And then the third part, how to trust God. 
So I'll start now. Um, as I said, I am a compulsive overeater. I think I started uh, compulsively overeating at the age of four, crying for a bottle, crying for a bottle. Oh my gosh, at four years old. Um, my OA anniversary date, and I know it specifically because it's the day I walked into treatment for the second time, was November 28, 1988, 34 years through the grace of God. And I say it proudly, I say it loudly, it has nothing to do with me, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with you, with Bill, with Bob, with our founder, Roseanne, and um, just a statement of how this program works. There's hope. There's hope. I also happen to be a member of the other AA12 pro, uh, AA program, uh, 38 years there, um, maintaining about 110-pound weight loss. Um, I did have a couple relapses in the beginning. Uh, I was in treatment, came out and picked up again, and then I went back into treatment where I now have this uh, length of time. Thank you, God. I want to read from a card. I wrote down all the different ways that I've tried to um, lose weight, to lose weight, to maintain uh, a normal body size. And here, here it goes. Um, I was taken to a pediatrician as a young child. My parents uh, thought I was too heavy. I don't even remember if I was or if I wasn't. But they gave me appetite depressants. Uh, I went to a diet doctor about the age of 12. They gave me amphetamines, diuretics, metabolism pills, uh, shots of women's urine. There's always somebody shaking their head. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Metrical. Oh, boy, that was the secret. Let's drink Metrical. Uh, I was a, a member, faithful member of that WWB weight loss place. It was a, uh, I don't know, I think it was $3 when I first joined there. Uh, and then I went on to actually lecture at another uh, takeoff of that particular program. Um, my father always liked to say, if you lose weight, Penny, if you lose weight, I'll buy you this, and I'll buy you that, and I'll get you this. And I really wanted all those things, but um, never could quite make it. My parents sent me to a psychiatrist. Maybe that'll work. Psychiatrist told me, don't take any money. Don't take any money to work. And that way, you know, you won't be able to buy food. Well, that didn't work. Uh, they sent me to a spa in Long Branch, New Jersey. Was there for I don't know how many months, stealing food out of the kitchen. Oh my gosh. Diet camp. Oh my gosh. Had my jaws wired shut. None of these worked. None of these worked. On and I mean, this is insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I did lose weight but I was never able to maintain it. At the moment I got to that number, boom, I would pick up that first bite. Who knew it was the first bite that was the problem? Uh, geographic cure. I moved to Chicago thinking that's gonna be the, that's gonna be the cure, uh-uh. Antidepressants, I did a, um, uh, um, I don't know, a, a motivational training called Life Spring, uh, eating disorder, uh, therapists, uh, laxatives, Ipecac syrup, and treatment two times. Whew, I'm out of breath. I'm out of breath. Um, none of it worked in maintaining. None of it worked maintaining. And um, obviously losing weight was not the answer. Was not the answer. I felt depressed. 
I, w- I felt fat. I felt ugly. I was unbathed. I oftentimes didn't change my clothes. Um, I looked a mess. I felt like I was an embarrassment. I was hopeless. I was helpless. I was suicidal. I did not want to live if I had to live like this. I couldn't live with the food. I couldn't live without the food. But through the grace of God, God brought me to Overeaters Anonymous. Ooh, what a blessing that was. And I found out the real problem, the real problem and the real solution. I have an allergy of the body and I have an obsession of the mind. And the solution is spiritual. It's spiritual. I had to fully concede that I am a real compulsive overeater. Real. I have no idea when I take that first bite where it's going to lead me. Is it going to be one? Is it going to be a hundred? Is it going to be a thousand? Is it going to be a hundred pounds? I have no idea. Real, real compulsive overeater is, is uh, talked about quite a bit in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I can identify 100%. The solution, of course, as I said, is spiritual as a result of the steps. Not reading the steps, not studying the steps, not dissecting the steps, not underlining the steps, highlighting the steps. My, my big book looked like a uh, coloring book, but incorporating them in my life. How do I live through these everyday, everyday things? How do I live through it? A psychic change, a spiritual awakening is what is the result for me. So this brings me to, and I'm fully conceited. I fully conceded. I have this disease. I got it. There's no doubt in my mind. Raising my hand. So now, what do I do? Back in the day, I probably would have called Bill Wilson. And I probably would have said, Bill, I got this problem. Will you meet me at Starbucks? Can we get a cup of coffee? And he would be so happy to do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. And we go into Starbucks and I'd say, well, now what do I do? And he'd be shocked by the price of coffee. <laughs> be shocked by the price of coffee. But he would, he would continue. He would tell me. He would go on what to do and why. So that brings me to the second part of my talk, which is um, trusting in God. Trusting in God. Trusting in God. Why trust in God? You know, the big book is our inheritance. I really believe that it's our inheritance. It's uh, God gave us this inheritance so that we could recover from the hopeless state, seamless hopeless state of mind and body. I don't speak for Overeaters Anonymous at all. Or this meeting, I only share my experience, strength, and hope, my interpretation of what has worked for me through the years. 30, what did I say, 34 years is a long time to not pick up. A lot of stuff happens in somebody's life. We run out of toilet paper. Uh, you know, Our bills go up. The cost of food goes up. My husband died. Uh, we have illnesses. A lot happens. So these are my takes on how I use the program. Um, my higher power is God, so that's what you're going to hear me talking about. And what I first want to say is Bill would probably say to me, like a parent who responds to a kid when the kid asks why, because I said so, because I said so, because I'm the mother, because I'm the father because I'm Bill Wilson, because I'm the first 100. That was good enough for me. That was good enough for me. 
But there's so much more in the big book. It's a walking how-to. The big book is a walking how-to. Um, the, the big book tells us in many, many, many places over and over the ways that trust in God is necessary in order to recover and stay stopped. That's the, that's the ticket. Stay stopped. How am I going to stay stopped? So I have a bunch of them, and I'm just going to list them off here. Most of these, the first ones, are all in the doctor's appointment. And um, if you don't have a big book, get a big book. Um, and um, anyway, so the first thing I wrote down here is they believe in themselves and still more in the power, which is capitalized power, meaning higher power, um, which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gate of hell. So we have to believe in a power greater than ourselves that will pull us back from the gates of hell. That's one of the reasons why we have to trust God. Doctor's opinion also says in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded, must. They use words like must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. If, they are to, if I am to recreate my life as a person who does not compulsively overeat, how do I live life? How do I get up in the morning without compulsively overeating? Uh, doctor's opinion again. This is repeated over and over. Unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. And they're talking about, you know, putting down the food and then picking up again. Putting down the food, I'm okay, I'm okay, and picking up again. I'm going to keep repeating it. It's insanity unless something changes, unless I have that psychic change as a result of living the 12 steps. Uh, more from the doctor's opinion. And on the other hand, as strange as it may seem, and to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. Ding, 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 ding. Suddenly, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for food. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules, the steps, trusting God. I believe in working the steps. I'm trusting God. That is, that's my uh, working papers. Those are my working orders. Um, and this has been true for me. I mean, for many, many, many years, I have been neutral to food. And I hope this is hopeful to people. I mean, I was a person who wanted to kill myself. That was the only way I thought I was going to get out of this hell of food. And today, I am neutral. Uh, I can do all kinds of things that people would probably tell you not to do. I work in a, in a, in a gift shop, um, whatever, it doesn't matter where I work, but uh, they have all kinds of snacks and all kinds of candy and all kinds of whatnot, and I can put it in a bag, ring it up and put it in a bag for somebody. It's not mine. It is not mine. Um, easily able to control his desire for food. Again, from the doctor's opinion, one feels that something more than human power is needed to produce the essential essential, totally necessary psychic change. And for me, that psychic change, like what is a psychic change? What is it? Well, for me, it's a total change of outlook. It's a total change of thinking. 
of responding, of even looking. You know, I don't go out of the house now. The psychic change, I don't go out of the house now without looking decent. I shower. I want to dress for my higher, but my man is God. I, I'm not married. I'm 74 years old. I'm not married. I am a widow. I dress for my, my guy, you know, God. Um, uh, okay, so I lost my place for a second. Uh, producing psychic change. Um, so the psychic change, I mean, I look at food as for what it is now. I mean, it's not a friend to me. It is a necessity for nourishment. You know, I recoil as if from a hot flame when I, say, when I see things that I know I'm powerless over. And this is as a result of working the steps. I also want to say that this didn't happen overnight. This was a transformation. It took time. You know, Bill talks about an awakening or an experience. Um, I think the experience is what happens quick, boom, boom, boom. And awakening is like, oh, you know, it's a slow awakening. And, you know, I found it growing throughout the years. And even at this stage in my life, it's still growing. It's still growing. But we start where we are. We start where we are. And God leads us. Um, one feels something more than human matters. Okay, the psychic change. And I look differently about people. You know, I totally, when somebody is, I feel like somebody's annoying or I feel upset, I take a look at myself today. I take a look at myself. There's no exceptions to this. Bill wrote in the 12 and 12, uh, step 10, it's a spiritual axiom. Anytime somebody upsets me, anytime, I have to take a look at myself. That's a psychic change. That's a psychic change. Um, and as a talk unto itself, but whatever. More of the doctor's opinion. Um, he accepted the plan outlined in this book, which is a step. One year later, he called to me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. A long time passed with no return to food, alcohol. I'm changing the words. Ding, 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 ding. All right, so two places in the big book. I'm, I'm off of the doctor's opinion, but there's more in there. There's way more in there. Uh, two places in the big book, it tells us that the purpose of the big book, what the purpose of the big book is, and it's not to tell us how to get sober. Um, it tells us how, not how they got to get sober, but how the members established their relationship with God. And I'm going to read them to you. Uh, page 29. Let me get there. Let me get there, 29, 29. Okay, 29. It says, each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. These give a fair cross-section of our membership and a clear-cut idea of what has actually happened in their lives. And the other place that it refers to that is on page 50, and I'm going to read that to you twice, they tell us. That's what the big book is here to tell us. Um, it says, in our personal stories, you will find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Ding, 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 ding. I wish I had a bell here. I'd be ringing it. Um, then also about relapse. We have so much relapse in our program. And this is what Bill's telling us across the table at Starbucks while we're on our second cup of coffee. Um, our second cup of coffee, no pastries. Um, 
Okay, page 35. I'm going to read this, too. This is about relapse. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a time. I'm sorry. He found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. Ding, 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 ding. So assuming that our food plan is clean, assuming we're not taking in any food that's uh, triggering the allergy, um, assuming all that, um, if relapse happens, there's a good possibility that we need to enlarge our spiritual life. How to trust God. How to trust God. The next part. Um, Okay, let's see. Page 43. uh, It says, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense. This is still telling us why we need to trust in God. The alcoholic has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must, must, use that word, come from a higher power. I mean, it's so clear. We can't miss it. We can't miss the message. On page 120 again, it talks about relapse. And this is to the wives. This is to the wives. And I change the word. It says, perhaps your husband comes home. But I change it. Perhaps, perhaps your husband will make a fair start on a new basis. Suppose I change it. Perhaps you come home will make a fair start on a new basis. But just as things are going beautifully, you're dismayed. You come home drunk. If you're satisfied, you really want to get over drinking, don't be alarmed, though it is infinitely better than no relapse at all, which has been true for many of us, it's by no means a bad thing. You will see at once that he must redouble his spiritual activities if he expects to survive. You need not remind him of his spiritual deficiency. I mean, it's amazing. I'm looking at the clock. I've got so much stuff here. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, On page 83, it says, the spiritual life is not a theory. It's not a theory. It's not just something we talk about, underline, you know, I went all through that. We have to live it. We have to live it. How do I put these steps into my daily life? 85, it's easy to let up on our spiritual program of action and on our laurels. Now, here's, here's the music to uh, Jaws. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. What we really have is a daily to reprieve contingent. It's necessary on the maintenance of our spiritual condition Every day is a day when we must, 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 must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These must go with us constantly. Quite as important on page 43 was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. What a gift that is. All my problems, spiritual principles, sign me up. Sign me up. So, Going to meetings is not enough. Um, Calling my sponsor is not enough. Doing the steps is not enough. Weighing and measuring my food is not enough. Uh, A spiritual speaker that I've listened to says that she can sit in a garage all she wants. It's not going to make me a car. 
and I can do all these things I'm doing here, it's not going to make me spiritually uh, aware. It's not going to give me the psychic change I need. I have to do it, which means living, using, thinking, responding to the traditions and the steps 24-7. Um, let's see. I want to start on that third, third stuff because i got so much to say on that. Um, and I, I like this. This is just kind of joke. You know, we have to work it. It's work. It's work, work, work. We have to practice. The 12 steps says we have to practice, practice, practice. I don't know if you remember uh, Dobie Gillis and Maynard G. Krebs. He always used to say the word work, work. You know, he couldn't stand the, the, the word work. I don't like to say I have to work the steps. It's like a natural progression. It's like um, putting food in our mouth and swallowing it. It's not work. It's a natural progression. It's like uh, how do I get to the other side of the street? It's not work. It's a natural progression. I just you know, put one foot in the other, and then I get there. All right, so now that I am convinced, I am convinced. I hope you are, too. <laughs> I hope you are, too. Uh, so now that I'm convinced that in order to recover, I must trust God, so now what do I do? What do what, what I do now? Well, I called Bill up again. I called Bill up again, and I asked him to meet me at Starbucks. The prices went up this time. This time they went up again, right? So here's my third part of my talk. Uh, let's see. Okay. Um, uh, the book, I, and I think I said this, the book is a how-to. It really is how-to. Um, and I'm going to first start with the steps. You know, uh, how do I trust in God? How do I trust in God? Well, the main thing and the most obvious, of course, are the steps. And I use these in all my affairs with everything. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Everything, people, places, things. I mean, that's a way of, of trusting God. That's a way of doing it. That's how I do it. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Well, I believe God can restore me to sanity. Anytime I'm upset, anytime I'm thinking out of the box, I have to believe, I do believe, that God can restore me to sanity. I look to God. Have you prayed on it? If, if your sponsor, when you call your sponsor, if she hasn't said, have you prayed on it yet, I don't know. That's what I would tell you. Have you prayed on it? Have I prayed on it yet? That's a way of trusting God, trusting God. How do I do it? Made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as we understood him. That's trusting God. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give much thought to this. I'm gonna turn it over to God. And I'm gonna talk about how I do that as we get a little bit further into this. Made a ser searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Well, you know, we really do this one time and then after that we continue with the with the ten step. But I'm always looking to see my part. Am I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? You know, what is my part in it? This is how I trust God. You know, I can't live my old self. And uh, I forget how they say it. There's a saying, I can't think of it, so I won't try and think it. But I can't think dirty and live clean. Uh, that's it. I can't think dirty and live clean. I can't think my old way of life and, and live a spiritual life. That I cannot do. Um, we admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 
Oh my gosh, absolutely. This is what we do. This is a way of, of trusting God. We humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Every single time I have a problem, there is a shortcoming that I can identify with. And I ask God to please remove it. I get on my knees. Made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I do this. I mean, sometimes, uh, yeah, we're not going to do this perfectly. We don't do this perfectly. Bill says the only thing that we can do perfectly is that first step. Uh, so thank God, you know, these things come up for me. If I was perfect, I wouldn't, we wouldn't need to reach out to God. So, you know, I can be very sharp, uh, I don't know, with my, with my uh, cable company. I can be very sharp with them. I was sharp with them about my money. What do you mean it's going up? And I can make an amends immediately, immediately, because if I don't, that's going to take me away from God and closer to food. I cannot afford that today. I cannot afford one inch closer to food or one inch away from God. Um, I get so excited with this. Okay. Whew. Let me breathe. Breathe, 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 Penny. Let me look at my time. Uh, okay, we're still good. We're still good. Um, so I do that. I do that. Um, I continue to take personal inventory, and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. And we're all, so many of us are, are doing these 10 steps all the time. Um, and that's a way of staying close to God, keeping the channel clean, not clogging it up with junk. I don't want any clogged channels to God. 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And my prayers really are that way. Uh, somebody asks me to pray for them. I don't say, please let them get well. I say, God, whatever your will is for them, please let them be able to accept it. Please let them surrender to it, God. Please, you know, thank you, God. That's my prayer and that's for myself. Because I really believe that what, whatever, God, God's got the plan and we can find the blessings in everything. We can find the blessings in everything. Um, 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. That's what we're talking about here. In all our affairs, 24-7, we strive. Can you hear me? I thought, I think I might have pushed the button by accident. I'm going to assume you can hear me. Okay. Um, okay, so I got lost here. Uh, part three, part three. Penny, part three. you're all good. Thank you, darling. I think I pushed a button somewhere, and I ended up on a plane to San Francisco. But I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. All right. You're uh, good. Okay, thank you so much. Um, a question that I ask myself very often is, is what I'm doing enhancing my spirituality? Is what I'm doing enhancing my spirituality? So I'm going to go to page 86 in the big book. Um, this is also Bill talking to us over the counter in Starbucks. Let's see. 
I think he got up to go to the bathroom. That's what this little that's what this little uh, hold is here. Um, so it's very clear cut directions. You know, when we retire at night, this is all about God. This is all about how we turn our will and our life over to the care of God. How do we trust God? When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves? I'm not going to read the whole thing because you can read it. In the interest of time, page 86. I do this every single night. Sometimes I do it with somebody else. Sometimes I do it with myself. But I do it every single night. I don't skip it. And then that's God. In the morning, real clear-cut directions on awakening. Let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for today. Before we begin, we ask God, ding, 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 to direct our thinking, especially asking that it would be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Again, I'm not going to finish it, but he takes us right to God, right to God. Next paragraph. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God, ding, 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 for inspiration. I mean, how much clearer can it be, Penny? How much clearer can it be? Um, uh, the, next, the next one, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer. To whom? We pray to God that we would be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. Ding, 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 ding. It says if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. And that's all about connection, connection with God. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. Big one, big one. This is how I trust in God. Pause. Don't let my mouth, my mouth can take me to such terrible places. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, what damage I can do with my mouth. And if I could just pause, if I could just remember, is what I'm about to say pleasing to God? And if it's not, I mean, my single most important thing in my life today is pleasing God. That's what it is. Way back in the day, it was abstinence or, you know, I don't know what it was. But today, it is pleasing God. And first and foremost, you know, the food is down. The food is down. Uh, we pause. Uh, we ask for the right thing. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, I will be done. Ding, 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 ding. It works. It really does. That's right out of the big book. Okay. Um, it's hard. It's not hard to know if it's of God or not of God. If, if I do something that's not of God, it's almost like stepping in a pile of do, of do, do, do. And if I don't get rid of it, if I don't connect with God and ask God to help me get rid of that, I walk with that do all over the place. I walk into the supermarket. I walk into my meetings all over the place. It's just horrible. So I have got to clean that shoe off. And that is by what the work we're talking about, trusting in God and doing this next process. It's not work. We intuitively know. I believe we intuitively know when we're doing the right thing or when we're not doing the right thing. Uh, eight, page 84 gives us clear-cut directions on how to stay close during difficult times. And I'll read this real quick, too. Um, 84, 84. Um, step 10. 
It should continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask at once to remove this. This is Bill talking to us. He's telling us this. And we don't even have to write it down because he's written it down for us. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly. If we have harmed anyone, if we've harmed anyone, we make amends quickly. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Woof, love that. Um, I've heard on this line many times, there was a wonderful speaker who uh, many years ago said, I'm yours and I trust you. I'm yours and I trust you. And I've added, in all times, good or bad, I trust God no matter what. Whining, no whining or complaining. There's a difference between explaining and complaining. And um, I have found that there are blessings in everything. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The other big book that I read, you know, also says we thank God in every circumstance, every circumstance, because every circumstance has a blessing attached to it. And I have practiced to do that. Don't do it perfectly, but I'm pretty good. On a scale, I don't, doesn't matter. I don't need to grade myself. God grades me. Um, also, I hear people all the time, I'm so busy, I, I just don't have the time. I, I just don't have that time. And what I want to say is, in order to trust God, we give him whatever time we can. We have to give that time to God. If it's a minute, if it's two minutes, he doesn't judge. If it's five seconds, it doesn't matter. But I also say, if we're too, we have to set our priorities. We have to set our priorities. I never once got out of the house with no clothes on. And looked, got in my car and looked down. No clothes. I was, I was too busy. <laughs> I was too busy. I didn't have time. I hope you're laughing. Um, it doesn't happen. So we have to put. I have to put prayer and meditation in that same category. It's more important than getting dressed. My prayer and meditation is more important than putting on the clothes. That's how I trust God to give Him that time every single day. Back in the day, we used to say AFCO. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but it's another fine growth opportunity, an AFCO. Thank you, God. Show me the blessings. Thank you, God. Another fine growth. Something bad happens. I'm trying to think of something. Right now, I can't think of anything. But thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, I know. I know. Something happened this morning. I have, I have something on my mind that's really very negative and really occupying my time. And I was very busy trying to connect with God today, and I didn't want to be bothered with this other uh, stuff, this negative stuff. And I began to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Show me the blessings. And what God showed me was this thinking about this other thing was such a blessing because it was taking my mind off of my obsessive thinking about my talk today. It, kept, it took me away from that, you know, and I said, well, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, one of the things that I try to do is stop talking about the problem. You know, whatever we talk about gets bigger. That's, that's in the big book also, a, a, a story in the back of the book. I think they named the change of it. They named the, they changed the name of it. Um, stop talking about it. Just stop, whatever I talk about gets bigger. You know, thank you God that you got this. Thank you God. Say what is not as if it is. Thank you God you got this. I know. 
I said, thank you, God. I know my talk is going to be good. I know my talk. The only person I have to please is you, God. And I know you're pleased with me anyway, even before I open my mouth. So stop talking about the problem. I could have said, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I could have started this with, I'm so nervous. It's not where I wanted to go today. Replace it with positive talk. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you for putting the words in my mouth. And I have two songs I want to sing to you. Um, one of the ways I know I'm not trusting God is when it's always about me. And I sing, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to think. I, you know, it doesn't work. We've got to cross that from the musical uh, whatever, musical outline. But I heard something else this morning. I think back a long time ago, the opera singers used to uh, warm their voices up by going, me, 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 me. I'm laughing myself. Um, so now I got, I, 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 and me, 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 me. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. But we can laugh about it. I don't ask God why. I don't ask God why. It's a waste of time. Once I figure out why, I still have to, I still have to do what I have to do. And the answer is because I said so. Because I said so. This is best for you. Uh, I look for ways to be kind and loving to people. I just, I really try to do that every day. I've been doing this a long time. I'm retired. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a, a lone person. So I have a lot of time to, to do that. How can I be encouraging to somebody else? I like to walk up to somebody in the supermarket and just say, you look beautiful today. You look so beautiful. And they, the, the, the light that they get on, the, the smile on their face is just so incredible that I'm almost smiling by thinking about it now. Just ways to encourage people, to love people, to be there for people, just not in, um, in our program. Okay, so I have some examples. Um, I have, I, I, whatever. I'm close to the end, Melanie. I'm close to the end. Um, many years ago, this is how I trust God. This is how I trust God. Some examples. Senior living is the topic. Uh, my husband is deceased, and um, that's another whole story. But um, And I put my name on a list for senior living. I wanted to sell my house, you know, not have these big expenses, boo-to-bee, bada-boom. And it was a five-year wait. And for five years, I struggled. I was in so much pain, making lists. Should I move? Should I not move? What's your will for me, God? Two-way prayer, writing letters, uh, taking friends to the apartment, and we prayed in there. Please show me, God. I mean, I was tortured by it for five years. Couldn't figure it out. And on the day that they called me, on the day that they called me, and she said to me, we have a unit for you. You have to be here. You know, you have to start paying rent within 30 days. I knew. I knew at that moment. God did not let me know until I needed to know, thank you, God, that I was, it was so clear. So all that angst and all that worrying was just a waste of time. Um, this, is, this is the biggest thing for me. Uh, many of you probably heard it, that my husband was killed in a motorcycle accident. It's 20 years now, 20 years. I was living this way of life at that time, and so was he. And um, he was my soulmate. He was my soulmate. We did everything together. 
you'll pardon this, but I say I did everything with him. I did everything with him. If I could have sat on the toilet with him, I would have sat on the toilet with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that's my sense of humor. We did everything together. And um, we were on a motorcycle trip. We had we prayed. We were on our knees before we got on the bike. And please, God, thank you for safe travel. Bada beam, bada boom. Well, it wasn't safe travel. We had an accident. And uh, Richard died right there at the scene of the accident. I, I have no memory, through the grace of God, of any fear. I have no... Uh, I have no memory of the accident at all, not being in danger or anything. I woke up in the ambulance, and I knew, I knew that the presence of my husband was gone. I knew the presence of my husband was gone, and um, I was going in and out of consciousness, in and out of consciousness. Long story short, because I am getting out of time, um, I got through that with, um, I didn't suffer. I didn't suffer. I found gratitude right there in the hospital. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Look for the blessings. He died. What I didn't tell you was his his uh, health was deteriorating. He had already had uh, a heart attack. He had congestive heart failure. He had a um, uh, some kind of major artery on his leg. I can't remember what that's what that was, but. We knew that he didn't have a lot of time. We knew that. But we were on this motorcycle trip. So in the hospital, thank you, God. Thank you, God. You took him. You took him home to be with you before he got any worse. Thank you, God. You took him home before we had to go on hospice. Thank you, God. You know, it's a little bit selfish, too. Thank you, God. I didn't have to watch him. I didn't have to watch him. You know, thank you, God. Uh, Thank you, God. He was doing what he loved the most. He was abstinent, thank you, God. He was abstinent and sober and drug-free, thank you, God. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, And that's the way we would have planned it. I thought we were, you know, I don't know what I thought. But anyway, uh, what a blessing. What a blessing, what a blessing. So if you can't tell, I am eternally grateful for this program. Um, This way of life has given me a life that I can't even express with gratitude. Um, I just don't even seem to have the words. Thank you. I love you all so very much. And I always end everything with this. And this is what I'm going to, I had to write it down. But I do, I do. And if you're in the food and you're struggling, just have hope that you can get this. I mean, if I can get this, I was a person that wanted to kill myself. If I can get this, and so many other people on this line, you can too. You can too. Surrender. And trust God. And try, what, all of a sudden, I can't remember my topic. I and trust God. Understand why and trust God. Okay. So here's the end. Here's the end. Thank you, God. Not for opening up the gates of heaven to let me in, but I thank you, God, for opening up the gates of hell and letting me out. Thank you, everybody. Love you so much. God bless. Thank you very much, Penny E. What a great way to, to end on a beautiful high note like that. You've given so much of yourself today. How wonderfully methodical and intertwining your, your life with that. It was just beautiful want to let folks know that we will ask Penny E for her contact information at the conclusion 
of this meeting. So stay tuned to the last very moment so that you can get grab that up. I wanted to let you know that the share ID number for today's meeting is 20725-20725, so that you can go back and listen to that again. It'll be stored on our website and just immediately, and uh, certainly you can grab it up by phone. I'll tell you more about that later. The lines are now open for questions. If you have any questions for Penny, please press star one on your phone keypad, and that will unmute the line so that you can be heard. If you give me your first name, the first initial of your last name, and perhaps your state, and I can take your information Laura. down and you can ask a question. Who would like to ask a question this morning? Hi, Laura. Laura W. Susan C. Mary F. Susan C. And Mary F. Like Frank? Yes. Okay, next Jack up. W. Jack W. Did you get Melissa C.? Oh, I didn't. Hi, Melissa. Gotcha. Hey. No. That sounds good. Let's go with that lineup for now since the lines have gone quiet. We have Laura W. I'm sorry, one more voice. Patricia P. Did I hear somebody else besides Patricia? Dana P. Dana P. Okay. Let's hold off then and see what we got here. We have lots of folks going to ask questions. So we have Laura W., Susan C., Mary F., Jack W., Melissa C., Patricia P., and Dana P. Starting off your question, Laura W. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. It's Laura W. in South Jersey. Oh, Penny, I love you. Good morning. That was so wonderful. Um, I could identify so much. My question is, when you do get disturbed, um, and, and I know, you know, we do, we get disturbed, um, you know, with the cable company, with whoever, do you do a formal 10-step? Do you write it down and write it out, or do you just go directly to God and um, and ask him to remove it? Thank you, Laura W. I had to unmute. Thank you for the question. Um, no, I don't always do a formal 10-step. I mean, I don't always do a 10-step. Uh, I go to God. Like right here, right now, let me take it. I mean, sometimes I do 10-steps, absolutely. It depends on the circumstances. But no, I, I don't, in answer to your question. Well, thank you, Laura W., for that very quick question there and response. Next up is Susan C. from New York, followed by Mary S. Hi, Susan. Hi, Melanie. Thanks so much. And Penny, so great to hear you. I'm a longtime fan of the I, I song, and now I got to hear the Me, Me song, the new edition, <laughs> the extended remix. That was great. Um, yeah, so I was going to ask a similar question to Laura's, so I'll just change it up a bit. Um, I think you kind of described this throughout, wove it throughout your talk, but um, how do you come to a place of acceptance uh, when you're disturbed? What does your process entail, um, you know, and how you're bringing God into that? Thanks so much, Penny. Okay, I'm playing with this mute and unmute thing. Thank you, Susan C., for the question. I, I'm glad you like the me, me, me. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, well, yeah, and I, I will... Um, okay, let me just get the question together. Uh, one of the things that I do, 
Okay. What I know, what I really know, I don't have it tattooed on my arm, but I feel like I have it tattooed on my forehead, is that it's a spiritual axiom that any time somebody makes me disturbed, I have to take a look at myself. So as long as I keep pointing the finger at somebody else, justified anger, I mean, we are not, uh, what's the word? Justified anger is going to take me to a bad place. So I don't even use the word justify anger. I immediately, I do immediately look for my part, you know, um, justified anger, uh, justified anything, uh, judgment, justified judgment, justified uh, criticism. Um, I have to take a look at my part. And once I find my part, I can do something with it. And it goes away pretty easily because I do the six and the seven step. I'm entirely ready to have that dog do taken off my shoe, clean it, clean it. If I have to throw out the shoe, I'll throw out the shoe. I want it off. And um, so that's all of a sudden I'm losing my train of thought. So the sixth and the seventh step is I humbly ask him to remove it. Yeah. And then I act as if, you know, I act as if. I don't do it perfectly. I mean, and sometimes it lasts for days. I mean, I don't... I don't want to give you the idea that I do it perfectly, but I do know how to do it, and I do it often. So thank you for the question. Thank you very much, Susan C., for your question from New York. Mary F., your question, followed by Jack. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Um, Thank you, Melanie, for your service, and thank you so much, Penny E., for uh, this is Mary F. of Foodetic in Florida. And... um, uh, thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And um, I heard uh, again about Richard, your husband, passing away, and my my precious Phil um, passed away very unexpectedly four weeks ago. And I will tell you that my my response has not was certainly not all gratitude at the beginning, and. Um, and I dealt more. I'm dealing more with guilt, and um, and I'm I'm just I have seen many many areas of gratitude. And my question for you is, how do did you have an experience of feeling guilt? And if so, how did I mean? How did you? How have you worked through that? And um, just gone on with with your I mean, I'm not like I'm not going on with my life, but how did you get beyond that? Thank you, Penny, so much. Okay. Hi, Mary F. from Florida. Hello, hello, my aunt. Okay. Playing with this mute button here. Mary F. from Florida. So sorry for your loss. I knew of Phil's passing. Um, so sorry for your loss. Great to hear you. Um, gratitude. I had no guilt. I had no guilt. I don't know. I just had no guilt. It was God's plan for him. It was God's plan. It was his time to go. Um, I saw it really as a blessing that he didn't have to suffer. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I mean, I I really do start with thank you, God, thank you, God, even then, 20 years ago. So uh, what was I, 15 years into my program or whatever. Thank you, God, thank you, God. I believe, now this is me. It's not for anybody else. 
that he's where he's supposed to be. He's where he's supposed to be. God took him home. He's got peace. He's got good health. He's got abstinence. He's got sobriety. He's got wonderful roads. No, no motorcycles to fix. They're all working great. And for me to be upset is selfish. This is me, not for anybody else. Let him go, Penny. Let him go. Celebrate your life. Live your life. Show him, you know, how you can live. You know, it's, it's an honor to him that I can live a sober, abstinent life and not cry all the time about, I, I know I'm going to see him. So I'm grateful. I am grateful. And um, so that's my two cents, Mary. Thank you very much, Mary, for your your question today. Okay, Jack W., your question, please, for Penny, and then followed by Melissa. Good morning, Jack W., a compulsive overeater, and uh, I just wanted to say thanks, Melanie, for, uh, for being so sweet, and Penny, what an awesome uh, share with us, I, and I appreciate that God is just filled you with his spirit this morning and uh, I heard you you mentioned something about I don't know if it was if you rest on your laurels somewhere you read maybe you need to double up on your spiritual practice and uh, for me it really clicked with uh, you can't live a clean life if you have a dirty mind and uh, I'm such an introvert and I I think I when I stay between my ears, I just don't feel safe and protected, and I and it kind of leads to depression. So if I, I'm kind of all over the place, but if you could touch on that, um, I would sure appreciate it. Jack W., could you repeat the question? I'm not clear of what the question is. I I sure can. I, I'm sorry. I was all over the place. I guess I heard you read something about um, doubling up on your spiritual practice. Maybe the maybe if you're lacking in a feeling protected, that you need to put in more time, more quiet time. Am I correct there? Yes, absolutely. It's in the big book. Um, I can look up the pages for you. I have to look it up. Uh, but yes, uh, it suggests that when we're, when we're feeling down, when we're, if we're picking up food, uh, yeah, we redouble, we increase. It says that you won't have to tell them that, that they need to redouble their spiritual activities. They will know it. Um, Take my number at the end, and I'll get you the exact page numbers. I don't want to take the time now to look it up, but um, there's quite a few references. Melanie? Yep, I'm here. Penny, did you get a chance to get to your, your response? That was kind of cutting out for me. Was it for you too, Nancy? Yes, um, Penny finished okay. her response. Okay, great, thanks. Thanks so much. Okay, I missed part of that, I'm sorry to say. I'm glad that Jackie got your question answered. And please stay for the telephone number if you'd like to follow up. Next up would be Melissa C. 
with her question, and then Patricia. Hey, Melissa. Hey, good morning. It's Melissa Sieber covered in New York, and um, holy smokes. <laughs> I'm like blown away, Penny. That was um, really powerful, really enlightening, and I am like right in there. I, I, I love your brand of optimism. I feel like I, you know, that, that's sort of my position too. And I, and that gratitude, but here's my problem. I'm bumping up against people who don't have that mindset. And I feel like I have certain people in my life who for every silver lining, they present the cloud and and I get disturbed at that. And I'm just wondering what's your experience with people who, like, I guess they're like the downers. I, you know, I, I'm just I'm just curious how, how you navigate your way through that. Thanks. Okay, playing with the mute button again. Melissa C., C thank you so much for that question. And I, too, I mean – not a lot of people live this way of life. I mean, not a lot of people live this way of life. And, um, and one of the things that I told you that I was upset with this morning is, is just that, some negativity that I've been hearing. And uh, what do I do with that? Well, what do I do with that? I think the answer is love. You know, it's, it's always about me. You know, when somebody else makes us disturb, Melissa, I have to take a look at myself. So I have judgment. I have perfectionism. They ought to be doing it the way I do it. If they would just listen to me, they would, you know, have to, they'd skip that whole step. And we could all live, skip happily ever after into Never Never Land. You know, um, just love and accept. Um, I, I have a thing on my phone that uh, this guy is, is uh, hitting out negativity. This guy has his arms hitting and, and the arrows are hitting him. Uh, negativity, uh, bad feelings, illness, uh, judgmentalness. And he just hits them right out of the ballpark. I can almost visualize that. Just hit him out, hit him out. Pray for the person, pray for the person. And just be the best big book that we can possibly be. It's not easy. It's not easy because I feel like they're putting their dog do on me. You know, I, I really work at keeping my feet out of the dog do, and here they're throwing it right on my, right on my whatever shoe. So uh, I have to keep it clean by love, just love, not judging, um, praying for them. And, uh, you know, I just say that's not my experience. You know, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, you know. Not everybody likes to talk to me because I don't like to listen to that stuff. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that's it's not easy, Melissa. And I think it's another fine growth opportunity. Thank you, God. When this stuff comes up, thank you, God. Thank you, God. This person is so negative. Show me how I can be of help. You know, send them flowers. Do something nice for them. I don't know. It's another fine growth opportunity. God's giving us these people so that we can make a difference in their lives. So thank you for the question. Thank you, Melissa C., for your question and Penny for the answers. Patricia P., you're up next with your question and followed by Dana. And we might have time for a few more. So yeah. Get ready. Uh, this is Patricia P. from uh, Barron Springs, Michigan. Uh, my question, uh, thank you, Mel, for your service. And uh, Penn, that was a great share uh, it's certainly where I could have been if I didn't get back off my relapse. Uh, I just wonder if I always believed in God, but I just uh, 
before I even, well, I was asking it two weeks before I selected a sponsor and you really had, I felt spiritually bankrupt. I just wondering how you, uh, how you came about uh, gradually. Did you always believe in God or did you, uh, how did you transfer to uh, trusting in God? Okay, so again, just repeat the question again, please. Patricia P. Yeah, how you uh, transferred from, did you always believe in God or, or how did you transfer to trusting in God? Okay, thank you. It was an evolution. I never did not believe in God. I never did not believe in God. I always thought that there was something. Uh, as a kid, I remember getting on my knees. Uh, my nephew, who's now 52 years old, was an infant, and he was going for eye surgery, and I remember getting on my knees and saying, God, please help him get through this surgery. My parents would fly on an airplane. Uh, God, please help them. So I always had, and now I lay me down to sleep, you know, I, I used to do that. I always had this sense of God, but never as in a personal relationship with God. And... um but I, you know, I was, back in the day, I was a hippie, and I wanted to go meditate with the Beatles, with the Maharaji. I, I wanted that spirituality. I wanted that ultimate, I, uh, you know, I wanted that ultimate. And uh, so always searching. But the food, the food had me by the neck. And so uh, when I got the big book, and when I started to study it, uh, I saw that it was in there for me. I mean, Bill expresses it really clearly, you know, that uh, we can have. We can have that peace and joy, um, that ultimate, ah, even when things are bad. You know, I can put my head down on the pillow at night and say, thank you, God, I'm abstinent. Thank you, God, I know you're there for me. Thank you, God, you know, I know this too shall pass. Um, so it's evolved. I've been doing it a long time. I've been doing it a long time. And um, I started with cassette tapes, cassette tapes. You know how long ago that was, um, listening to meditation, uh, guided meditation, and all that kind of stuff. So um, always had a belief in God, but nothing like it is today. It's just evolved. Out of necessity, too. I mean, out of necessity, you know, during our darkest times. The, the AA 12 and 12 also says, Bill wrote it during our darkest times, our darkest time, we make our greatest strides towards God. So, and, and when, when Richard was uh, moved on to be with God from the motorcycle accident, that was true for me. I had, I had to go to God. I mean, I needed God. So um, that was a blessing. So thanks for your question, Patricia P. Thank you, Patricia P, for your question. And next up, before we open it up for additional questions, would be Dana P. with your question for Penny. Good morning, Dana P. here in California. Uh, thanks, um, Melanie, for your service this morning. And um, Penny, what a beautiful share. I, I just wanted to jump up and down and say woohoo uh, for you. I'm, I'm such a positive person, too. And my question was um, asked and answered um, but I, I'd like to ask uh, it in another form perhaps and and so two questions um, and or anyway the first one is in a sentence if you could say what it means to you to trust God and the second question is what you do with a sponsee who is negative because um, I'm 
I'm on the carousel with you, girlfriend. I mean, woohoo. Uh, so when you have these people that are negative and or go back into uh, food and or food behaviors as they're working through the steps, um, what, how you uh, navigate that, if that question is clear. Otherwise, um, maybe asking for some clarification. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dana P. I'm going to take one question at a time. <laughs> one question at a time. So um, what does it mean to me to trust God in one sentence? It's all okay. I mean, it's all okay. Uh, you know, I was so worried about this talk today, um, and somebody told me, a dear friend who's probably on this line, I said, I'm going to do some more preparation last night. And she said, let me make a suggestion. This is not one sentence. This is more than one sentence. I'm sorry. But anyway, she said, let me make a suggestion. Less preparation and more prayer. And I said, thank you. That's it. That's it. So trusting God means to me not to worry, not to talk about it. I, I talked about it in my thing. You know, thank you, God. It's going to be great. Talk, talk about the positive. Thank you, God, that this talk is going to be perfect the way you and I are going to do it. And I said that before I started. Does that answer the first question? Yes, ma'am. It's all okay. That was in 50 words or less. I'm sorry. Um, and then what do I do with a negative sponsee? Well, I have some sponsees that are have been around a long time with me, you know, and those people, I will not listen to it. I will not, don't, don't call me with that. They know that. Call somebody else, and when you get the solution, give me a call, or if you want the solution, give me a call, you know. I just don't want to hear it. Um, and I don't know if that's wrong or right, but it's right for me. If somebody is new, Dana P., what I try to do is uh, teach them, uh, I, I hate to use the word, use my experience, strength, and hope on how I deal with that negativity. You know, what do I do? What do I do with that? You know, let me take a look at my part. Let me pray to God. Let me thank him for it. Um, I try to, you know, to be helpful to them. So that's the answer to my second question. Thank you. Melanie? Hi there. Thank you so much for all your help. Uh, the mute button is very good for keeping things quiet, but not so much for speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you too, huh, Penny? Anyway, yes. thanks so much, for Dana, for your question. And uh, I think there's time for more questions this morning, if you're up to it, Penny. I'd like to take a peep list peep. of folks, maybe three or four. Peep, peep, peep gotcha. Craig F. Pam B. Missouri. Pam B. Missouri. Let's go with one more if we have it and then see where that takes us with time. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's go with Pete B. with your question first and then we'll follow by Craig. Hi, Pete. Hey, Melanie, thanks for your service. Appreciate you. And uh, uh, Penny, thank you for your, your presentation. It was, it was deep and heavy, and it was a pleasure to hear the English language spoken the way I think God intended it to. Um, so in any case, 
the, 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 a lot of this came out in your presentation and in your responses to the questions, but my question is, the book talks about the proper use of the will. And could you help me understand or help us understand what that term means for you? Thanks, Pete. Thank you, so Pete. I, I'd like to ask you a question. What's the proper use? I'll call you. What's the proper use of the English language? But that's okay. Forget that. These are questions for me. Um, the proper, uh, okay, say it again. What does it mean by the proper use of my will for me? The book, the book yes, the, our, our book talks about that there is a proper use of our will. And I'm asking what that means to you. Okay, okay. That's a good question, and I don't have a, a, an answer right on the tip of my tongue, but I'll come up with one. I mean, the proper use of my will is, um, I'm trying to think, what, what is willful for me? I'm really stumped, Pete. You, you did a good stumper here. The proper use of will for me is not to assume that I know what's right for other people, you know, to put them in God's hands, put them in God's hands. I can't tell people, you know, what's right for them, so on and so forth, even stepchildren or grandchildren. Uh, the proper use of the will is to pray, pray for others. Um, I'm trying to think what is the proper use of my own will. And I'm sure I use my own will in some things. I mean, I wake up and I take a shower. Uh, you know, I, I weigh and measure my food. Um, I'm not really sure, Pete. Maybe we could talk about it at another time. Uh, it's a great question. I'm a little bit stumped. Well, thank you for the mind. It wasn't, my, intent it wasn't my intention, but I would be happy <laughs> to discuss it with you. Okay, I know that. I know that. Absolutely. Thank you, Pete, for your question this morning. More to be revealed. Craig F., your question this morning. Hi, good morning. This is, yeah, that's true. Craig F. from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Uh, thank you so much for your presentation uh, this morning. Lots of stuff to think about. Um, you talked a little bit about um, the... Uh, about your relationship with your sponsees a couple of questions ago. Uh, I'd just like for you to talk a little more about um, how, often, how, how often your sponsees call you, how many you carry at any one time. Are you, you, are you taking on new people all the time or not? Uh, do you, what do you, uh, you know, what do you expect of them? Uh, you know, that, that whole relationship. Uh, and just uh, kind of give us your uh, two cents. I appreciate that. And are, are fair enough? Okay. Yes. Did you mm -hmm. say my two cents? Did you say my two cents? Oh, uh, you can give us five cents. That would be better. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for that question. Um, I don't have a lot of sponsees. I have quite a few people who have been around for a long time. They send me their food. They send me their gratitude. Uh, one woman I talk to maybe once a week. Uh, one woman calls me when she wants to, when she needs to, when she wants to do a 10-step. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Newcomers, it's real hard for newcomers. And I actually like what Pete B said on the uh, meeting the other day, you know, that we talk about our experience. We talk about our experience. And um, I try to do that. I try to 
tell the newcomers about my experience, get them interested in, in uh, the transformation that's possible, you know, see if they can fully concede to or, and identify with me. Um, I don't know. I think not a lot of people continue. I start with people, and then they fade off into Never Never Land. Um, so um, I don't know how many people, how many sponsees I have now. Maybe four, maybe four. Um, and at this point, none of them are new. None of them are new. Um, what I expect of them is to call me when they're in trouble, call me when they're, you know, when uh, the character defects are flaring up, call me when they have a problem with food, uh, uh, when there's a spiritual problem, you know, let's talk about those things. Don't try and do it alone. And the other thing is I don't really believe in one sponsor for one person. I mean, I, I have probably four people that I can call as a sponsor. You know, when I want to talk about this, I call this person. I've been around a long time, though, you know, and I think that my sponsees are probably in the same way. They don't always call me for everything. They have other people in case, you know, one person is not uh, available. So, um, anyway, I hope that answered your question. Thank you, Craig, for your question this morning. Craig F. from Oklahoma. Next up would be Pam B. with a question. And we might be able to take more. This is Pam, hey, Pam. B. from Missouri. And uh, thank you so much, Melanie and Penny. I really appreciate that wonderful presentation. And my question is, uh, I'm sometimes bothered by guilt from things I've done in the past. I've worked the steps, but things just keep coming up in. I wondered if that ever happens to you, Penny, and how you handle it. Okay, great question, great question. Well, you know, a lot of times, yes, I do have guilt. Um, a lot of times it's just like something I've said or um, it doesn't matter. Yes, I, have, I do have guilt. And what I do is I go to God. I mean, I have to go to God. I believe God's forgiven me anyway. I mean, I believe that I'm forgiven. Um, and uh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for showing me this guilt. Show me, God, uh, what can I learn from it? I try to turn it into a positive. You know, maybe let me not repeat it again. You know, try to remember what I did, what I said. Um, um, uh, you know, a lot of times, sometimes I say things about myself in a negative way, like that That was really ridiculous to do. That was really ridiculous to do. And then I feel guilty about that. Like that really disrespects God, you know. Uh, God gave me this. So why not just celebrate it and use it as a positive thing, you know. Uh, I don't want to disrespect God, and uh, I'm okay. I'm not going to be perfect. So I have to know that I, I'm human. And uh, I'm going to have human feelings. Guilt is one of them. So I'm not going to be, I'm just not going to be, ever be perfect, although I'd like to be. <laughs> not really, not really. I hope that answers you, your Pam. question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Pam. Pam B. from Missouri for your question this morning. I'd like to take one more, at least one more, somebody that has a burning desire for a question for Penny this morning. Hi, time. this is Christina, Rhode Island. I have a question. Okay, Christina or Christine? I didn't quite catch that. Christine or Christina from Rhode Island? What was it? 
Hello, Christine, Christina? For some reason, I'm not hearing. Christine, are you there? If you would like to quickly hang up and dial back in, we might be able Hi, to receive sorry, can you. Hear me? That... Oh, I can now. Is that Christine or Christina? <laughs> uh, Christine. Christine. Okay, Christine K. It is all yours. It's all that. All that fanfare. Come in with your question. <laughs> um, thank you so much for the the lead. I really appreciate it. I was just wondering, um, what if um, I mean not only negative people in our lives, but abusive people in our lives? How you, if you've encountered that? and how you would manage that. Christina, I was unmuting and muting. What did you say? What's the question about abusive people? Oh, I just said if there's not only negative people, but also abusive people, how you would handle that if you've encountered that? Well, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I have to accept people for where they are, not take it personally. You know, I don't know if they had a fight with their husband. I don't know if they got a ticket on their way to, uh, you know, to where we were going. I would just pray for them. Um, try not to respond because that's going to be disrespecting God. Um, you know, um, let me think. I guess I meant, I meant like abusive, like, you know, ab abusive, abusive, not like. Uh, oh, okay. Physically, I just want to interject. Yeah, I want to interject here for just a second. This might be a little bit more outside the scope of the twelve steps. This kind of question. Perhaps you would be willing to call and talk about this offline if if you've had any experience with it, Penny. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it would be difficult to address a real serious abuse question at this at this time and in this I, in this I appreciate form, you know, of the 12 steps. I'm so sorry, Christine. I hope you understand, but please get get um her phone number and visit with her after the experience with that through the 12 steps. Christine, I would welcome your call on that. Would love to talk with you about that. That would be good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that, that would probably be our last question today, looking at the time this morning. Um, and thanks again. Thanks again very much, Penny, and all those that asked questions this morning. I, please stay to the top when the recording has ended and get Penny's telephone number so you can have further conversations with her about these things. You've offered so much of yourself this morning. Absolutely. Um, so we will close now within our usual here at A Vision for You by reading from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you'll surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happiness. May God bless you and keep you.